And so this morning, if you would, how many of you know, how many of you know what next week is? Easter. And sometimes that's the only time CEOs go to church. You know what CEO is? Christmas and Easter and occasionally. And, and what happened, there, there are two days that, you know, that, that many people come. And so many people during this time are coming back to church. And that's great. I think it's an awesome thing. But it's an opportunity for us, for God to do something in us. It's an opportunity for this church to grow. It's an opportunity for you to reach out to people that you normally don't reach out to or you have reached out to. It's just a great opportunity. It really is. And our mission statement is to reach people and build lives. And, uh, and so what would, you know, let me, how many say, can you say that when we're reaching people, say it with me, and building lives. Okay, well, see, when I say that phrase, there are people that are far from God. How many have friends that are far from God? You know, uh, but here's the twist. When I say that phrase, people far from God, the majority think, well, sinners and non-Christians. But I've learned this. We're here in the South. Okay, if you cuss Jesus' name in a bar, you may get punched. How many are you talking about? Now, we fear God, but we don't might not serve God. How many are you talking about? I mean, there's a lot of people that, that we have. We still literally in parts of the South, all throughout the Bible Belt, and this is not really the Bible Belt because this was actually uh, South Louisiana was, was initiated by Franciscans and, and Jesuits and Carmelite nuns. And so it's a lot different. Everybody in South Louisiana has at least been Catholic once in their life, all right? And so what's happened is, I believe this is that there's one thing, you know, that, 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 that people who, I believe this in the South, many times there are people that have had a time with God where they've met God in a real way. And, and who at one time lived according to what the Bible says, how they should live by the principles, but they've drifted away. How many know people that have just drifted away or just gotten disillusioned by their walk with God? How many of you ever walked through valleys? Come on. Okay, if we're going to talk this morning, you need to participate. Okay, I mean, that means you can raise your hand. Some of you have never raised your hand in church before. Plus, you've never had two questions at one time, all right? So, but, but here's the thing is, is that, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the majority in this room can think of someone who's lost right now. I say, how many of you got some friends that are lost right now that you love, you've been praying for, you just, God touched them? Oh, come on, listen. All right, good. Y'all participating, all right? And, and so... You know, and I believe that at one time they were passionate, but they've just kind of drifted away. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of like that, that slow drift. See, they used to be like a ship going in the harbor. Now they're like a cork bobbing on the waves. You know what I'm saying? And they're just being drifted away. And they don't even know why. You ever people like that? You know, I've met people. We've had people come to our church and they just drifted. And you call them. And sometimes as a pastor, you know, the wild thing is sometimes God will speak to you. Jamie or me or someone's a pastor. Have you, have you seen so-and-so? No, man. Wait, man. We need to call them. And, you know, because they seem like they're drifting. Their marriage is drifting. Their kids are drifting. Or something, in, you know, just seems like they're just not all there. And so I, I just wanted to, let's begin today. And I, wanna, I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke with me. And if you would, uh, I, I would like, I'd just like to read the scripture to you. And it's just... And I'm just going to go ahead and begin. I'm reading in the NLT. And it says, tax gatherers and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Let's stop right there. Let's just pray. Father, right now, I just pray that God today, that I pray you would open our hearts and our minds, that we might engage in your mission for our lives. Someone's life, someone's destiny might depend on whether we hear these words. I say, 
and just act on them or not. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would just open our hearts, open our minds to receive all that you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, let's start over. Tax gatherers and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. (gasps) How dare him? So Jesus told them this story. It's a parable. It's it's a lesson. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than, 90, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You know, this morning, if I could just share with you, you know, it's like, the first point that I want to talk about is, is, is that why is it, you know, why is it that, that churches, you know, sometimes people have a picture of what churches is sitting around a campfire and singing Kumbaya, where thousands and thousands of people drift right into hell. You see, we don't use that word hell that often, you know, oh, you're going to offend someone. Well, Jesus said there will be offenses that come. You read Luke chapter 17. You will be offended. The problem is don't build a fence when you've been offended, okay? And so what happens is, is that someone's life and destiny depends on what we do. And, and, and it's like, it's, you ever thought about roasting marshmallows, doing Christian programs, and so many of God's, and while people are just lost? You know? And so that's the first thing. Everywhere Jesus went, the lost uh, went, the lost, the broken, and rejected were attracted to Jesus. Everybody, you ever notice that? They were just attracted to him. And, and why is that? The people who were unholy were attracted to his holiness. What does that mean? People who had been neglected by religious systems found hope and life in Jesus. Can I just tell you something? I was raised around religion a lot of my life. How many of you experienced religion? We had a guy a couple of weeks ago that that's been coming at Jennings and, and his daughter, Lily, it was, it's a great story. His daughter, Pastor Josh was telling me, his daughter came to church with some, uh, one of the ladies that's a single mom and her daughters and Myra Spears and Jamie knows Myra and her daughters. And, and, uh, she's a widow. She's a widow. And, uh, she has young daughters and her daughter, one of her daughters kept inviting his friend. This friend came and God just really touched this girl's life. And so what happened is, she started telling with her mom and dad and her mom and dad started noticing the difference. You know, when you make up your bed and clean your closet and you do a few things like that, God might've touched a teenager. Okay. And so they're, they're like taking notice and like, what, what is, what's gotten over her? And she's like, Jesus come to church with me. And so finally the mama, you know how it is. She wanted to investigate. What is this Jesus stuff? And she came and God totally touched her life. And the dad, you know, they start, then they start inviting the dad and go, no, I ain't going. Oh, y'all can go, I ain't going. Then, then the mother's birthday came. And she looked at her husband. She said, the only thing I ask you to do is to come with me to church on my birthday. That's all I'm asking. I don't want you to get me a gift. I don't Just come to church with me on my birthday. And she came. And he, he came. 
And God touched his life. I mean, radically touched his life. And now, since he's been coming, he's ready before anybody else on Sunday morning, waiting for his wife and his daughter to get ready to come to church. When we had the man fest, he was at one of the tables and just weeping and crying because God was speaking to him about just doing things. And one of the challenges that Chris gave all the men is to just before you go to bed, pray with your wife. And one guy had a revelation and his wife called. He said, my husband, something's gotten over him. He's praying over me every night. What did y'all do over there? And she's just blown away. And that's what God's all about. It's like, and you know what? We found out that this guy had grown up in church when he was a kid. And he had church hurt. So he built a fence around himself and said, you know what? I'm not letting anybody in, even God, because what I've experienced just shouldn't be right. How many of you ever had just had church hurt? Come on. Okay, listen, if you're around church long enough, if you haven't been hurt yet, you will be hurt. Because, listen, if you're looking for somebody perfect, he's not standing up here. But we serve a perfect God. And I, I've learned this, when, when you've hurt someone or when you've done something, I know this about Jamie and Cheryl, they'll come to you and apologize. They'll try to make things right. That doesn't mean they appease to you, but that means, hey, this is important enough that we need to make this right. And so what happens, if Jesus, the Son of God, welcomes sinners, let me ask you, shouldn't we as a church? Shouldn't we? we have had, we've had people leave our church, this is not a joke, because there have been too many sinners in the church. You're laughing. I've had stories. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. I've heard the lamest excuses that you can possibly believe. Listen, we have a guy right now that's one of the largest bar owners that's coming to our church in Jennings. See, some of you are like, he ain't looking... God is, look, he's been serving slit malt liquor bull, but God's been trying to get the bull out of him. You know what he's doing right now? He's trying to sell his bar to get out of it because he knows he shouldn't be doing that anymore. And that bar has been in generate his grandpa, his daddy, and him. I rejoice. Because so you might have been at that bar and you might have been full of bull at that time. I'm not telling you location anyway. See, that's, that's like leaving the hospital because there's too many people there. If Jesus, the Son of God, welcomes sinners, shouldn't we? See, let me just say, that's, if you're sleeping around, and you just need to stop and repent. Got quiet on me now. If you're living with somebody, you need to move out and maybe make things right and have some premarital counseling. And they get married. I've had people do that. I have a, one, of the, one of the great couples in our church right now. They, they were living together. He was an army ranger. And he, he came. They came to me. And he got right with God. And he was living with a girl. And he said, I want to do the right thing. We're going to get married. And I said, well, then, then honor God. Either we can get married right now or somebody needs to move out. And they go, we'll move out. And now, and now because they made a stand, let me just tell you what happens. Because people watch. They make a stand. Now, her sister and her brother-in-law are in the church and have gotten saved, and he's the one praying over his wife. Sometimes it takes a little time. And see, I believe this. See, if you're addicted to drugs, you need to, you need to let God set you free. 
You need to go from a dope head to a hope head. There needs to be some hope. And he, he, Have you ever noticed when someone else struggles with sin, they don't struggle with, you know, it's like when they go, oh, that, that guy's a bad sinner. He's a, man, they bad. But see, it, when, when it's someone else's sin, it's bad. But when it's your sin, it's just issues. Oh, don't talk to me. Don't shout me down when I'm stepping on some toes here. Because see, the reality is, is that if you don't struggle with drinking and someone else does have alcohol, you know, struggles with alcohol, you know, they're a sinner, but your bitterness and your lust, I'm still good because we don't see it. We're all sinners in need of a savior. How many believe that? And the grace of God is available to every one of us. You know, I was turkey hunting yesterday and my son, Luke, and he's very smart. He's very smarter than me. He's 11. No, it doesn't. He is smarter than me. I said, Jamie, and he's smart because he asks good. He's like his mom. You know, she asks questions that you kind of go, wow. Ooh, ooh. And he asked me yesterday, he goes, Dad, how far could someone go and Jesus still forgive them? What's your answer? I need some pointers. No. Then we just start talking. And I start sharing with him about the grace of God. But also our responsibility as a person. If you know to, if you know better, you don't need to be going that way and, and stretching. You know, the sad thing is, and I'm a lot of the gospel that's being preached today is so filled with grace without responsibility. You have a lot of young guys that are getting the ministry today. And because of theology they're teaching, I don't need to go, I don't want to be religious here. But some of the theology that they're teaching, there's no responsibility for him. It's just grace, grace, grace. No consequences. I believe this. When you make decisions, there's consequences. Okay? If someone tells you it's electricity right there and you touch it. Okay. How many remember the first time you had a revelation of electricity? I was playing my Daniel Boone 33 in the third album. And my mom, you said, we don't touch the plug. Oh, what the, she do? And I remember I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana on 1411 Forest Lane. No, Sulphur, Louisiana. I remember, I remember the address. I remember the place. And I remember the moment I got shocked. I remember putting that, it kind of was coming out. So I went to go put it back. And I just touched the little, you know, the little prongs. And I just, yeah, oh, just, yeah. And, and I mean, they had a burn mark, you know, and ah, that was my revelation. It was a consequence. But sometimes people don't listen. We know you learn truth one or two ways. Either you get a revelation or you go through the tribulation. But most of us face the tribulation to get the revelation. Amen. Because most of us aren't smart enough to figure it out on our own. We got to, you know, it's like well, we got to experience it. Listen, I don't need to stand behind the horse to experience what he does when he kicks you. There's a few things in life that you can kind of just figure out. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. Look at the person next to you. And I want you to say, you're a sinner. Saved by grace. Some of you feel a little better about yourself. Because, you know, I've met people, they don't know your name, but they call you brother and sister. 
I've known people, well, they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they speaking in tongues. But yeah, but they speak with a farkered tongue. Because I've seen them be mean to their wife. I've seen them do things that they shouldn't be doing. And you can have all the all the outward appearance, but Jesus always looks where? At the heart. You see, you know, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We all need the grace of God. And it's available to all of us. We're, no one, see, look at the, you know, see, let me just tell you the truth. From God's perspective, we're all done without him. Without him. Look, I did the best that I could with my life, and I know where I ended up. That was my best. And I, I needed a Savior. I needed a rescue. I was like on the waves looking for something to hold on. And everything around me was just like sinking sand or like an ocean. There was no sides or like a pool. You can't see the edge. I was drowning in myself. I didn't need to blame the devil. Because see, the devil don't need to, he don't even need to show up. He probably has a third class toothless demon, a little imp, like trying to tempt you because he's got you in his palm. Hello? And see, let me just get back to preaching. The Bible says we're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Listen, how many of you have blown it? Okay, let me ask. How many of you have ever gotten angry at your wife or your husband before? Let's be honest. Come on, how many of you have been angry? How many of you have expressed your anger before? How many of you had to confess later and say you were sorry? And you really didn't want to because pride was trying to tell you you were right. All of us have been there. That's what the Bible says. We all fall short. You know? And see, the sad thing is some people, if you've been raised in religion, they think it's like a country club where the pastor serves you. Well, Pastor Jamie better give a hot meal today. (laughs) Because if he ain't got a hot meal, I ain't giving no tithe check. And if I ain't getting no tithe check, he can starve. See, what I've seen when I read the Bible, it's not a country club. I used to live across the street from Oakborn Country Club in Lafayette. I can remember the people that would serve you and all those things. That's not what church is about. Church is about some of you need to be self-fed. What does that mean? That means you can't live. Listen, you can't live on a verse a day will keep the devil away. You need a loaf a day. You know what I've been experiencing? It's really good because I've been walking a lot. And um, it takes me about an hour to do my walk. And I've been listening to my Bible early in the morning. I've read the Bible several different versions through and through from, from the maps to the maps. Okay, I've done it. But now I'm experiencing for the first time in my life listening to the whole Bible. And I can't tell you, it's just the difference. You ever have guys, you ever have your wife, but you're not listening. I've been, you know, there's a difference between reading and listening to something. And, I, and, and it's God's been, it's like, it just comes alive. And see, this is the emergency room in the triage unit for the broken and the hurting. Okay, this is what the church is all about. Just like you and me. When I came to church. For the first time, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know what to do. I knew I met Jesus. How are you talking about? But I just didn't know how to act. 
There were some people waving their hand. There were some people dancing. There were some people with flags running around. I go, oh, my gosh. I didn't know anything. I mean, and it was a good experience because I met people. And I remember when my grandmother used to send, bring me to, it used to be called the Charismatic Teaching Center in Lafayette. And I remember when I, when, I was, when I was lost, I'd sit there in the back. Me and my brother, we'd be going smoking joints before we went to church. That is not a, that is not a joke. Because she would drag us there. And I remember people walked by and they, they, they didn't want to tell us anything or share. They'd just go, oh, pray devil boy, pray for devil boy. And me and my brother just sit back there. No one ever witnessed to us. No one ever shared with us. And I'm sure the look we gave. And I can remember just watching people and I'm, me and my brother would laugh after the service. You know what I'm saying? But then you know what happened? God's got a sense of humor. God opened my eyes. And it wasn't so much what people did on the outside. All of a sudden, I began to see people get changed on the inside. And you know, when God rescued me, I, I believe this. People that find Jesus find people. That's a good statement. Because when you're found, you find people. Because, it, listen, it, I remember the day that I met my wife and I knew she was going to be my wife. And I asked her to marry me. I was calling everybody after our engagement. Man, I'm in, I'm in. And I remember my mom, she was funny because my mom's a southern, she's kind of a southern belle. She goes, honey, she sounds like a Yankee. She's from Washington State. Mom, she's not a Yankee. Northwest, they weren't even in the battle. All right. I was so excited. I met my future mate that I'm going to live with for a lifetime. And see, I believe this. The second thing, Jesus places infinite value on finding the lost. What does that mean? Verse 3 says, then Jesus told them a parable, a story. Jesus was about to explain to them why he was so passionate about those who had been lost. What does that mean, Pastor Baba? Well, let's look at it. Verse 4, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And this is a picture of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and loses one and leaves the 99 to find one. Every ordinary life has extraordinary value to our Heavenly Father. I remember the, when Jamie got like three or four goats. He called me, and I got my goats. And he had this guy tell him what to do with the goats, leave them pinned up. And Jamie was like so excited about the goats. He didn't leave them pinned up. He told me, he said, I just let him out. And one took off. No, all of them took off. And I remember he was telling me stories about looking in the woods, dogs chasing them, all this stuff. They're trying to beat the, you know, I mean, I mean, he's in a search for the goat, goats. You know, it's like for all, and, and, and I started, and I mean, it was funny the way he was acting, but I started thinking about it. He was in hot pursuit. How many have children? Come on, how many have one or more? How many have one child? How many got more than one child? Come on. Okay, well, do you? Let's, what happens if one of your children gets abducted at Walmart? What do you do? Do you huddle around and say, well, Charlie's gone. At least we have you. Then some of you think it depends on which one they take. 
not being cruel. I'm just seeing if you're alive this morning. Jesus is saying when you lose something that is valuable to you, you can't rest until you find it. You know that God's in hot pursuit of all of us. When you lose something, you become consumed by it. The way God feels about every person he's ever created is drifted away. He's after them. He's pursuing them. He's just after them. I remember one day, and I, I do this. I'm sorry to tell you. I'll just make a confession. Is sometimes I go to bars. I don't drink. I get water, but I go in there and talk to people about the Lord. When I first got saved, that's where God delivered me from. On McKinley Street, the strip in Lafayette. I remember one day I said, I don't know why the Lord just directed me. He said, Bubba, I want you to go down to such and such bar. And he told me he had someone there for me to talk to. I went there. There was a guy that was going to First Baptist Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. And it was the first time in the bar because he was depressed. And I just started sharing with him. When I was in Africa, there was a guy that went to a clinic. And the Lord said, you're going to speak to him. And, and there was no way to get to him. Me and Billum drive, like going to Johannesburg, which is like two hours away from where we are. We stop at this gas station. I see the guy. The guy told me I'm going to talk to. And he's like got this disabilitating whatever in his body. And I go to the bathroom and I come back out and I look at him and say, hey, I saw you in Perez. And he goes, you were at the doctor's clinic. He goes. And I said, God told me I'm supposed to pray for you. He goes, really? And it come to find out he was a Christian. And I said, and I just looked at him and said, I had surgery. Five weeks ago. For cancer. And God spoke to me that I'm supposed to pray for you because heal people, heal people. And right there in the middle of the restaurant, I just pray for him out loud. God, just touch this man. I don't know what he's going. He didn't even need to have it because I had to go. Bill was waiting on me. I pray for him. Look at me. God speaks to you. It's whether or not we listen. I remember being broken down. Jamie knows broken down. Brother Keith loves me. I was broken down in bat. My truck broke down in Baton Rouge. There was a hotel and God looked at me and he looked at me. He had been looking at me. All right. It, that doesn't make sense. Anyway. He spoke to me and he said, you see that guy over there? I want you to go tell him that he's fixing to commit adultery on his wife. And I know it. What? Okay, I'd like to say I went straight there and told him. I was battling. How many ever battle with God? Well, God, I, I, God, I mean, I mean, I had a bad pizza this morning for breakfast. This, this has got to be it. If you ever pray those prayers, God, just speak to me, use me in every way. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so I, I literally went to the payphone. Remember when they used to have payphones in the lobby of the hotel to see if the guy was checking in. And I'm, I'm, I'm like acting. I'm not even on the phone. I'm just acting like I'm on the phone. Playing secret agent 007 for Jesus. You know what I mean? Lord, if that's really you, I've got to investigate this because I'm not really sure. 
And sure enough, he was checking in, and there's a lady going to be there with him. So, and the guy went back to his, his, his uh, Jeep Wrangler. Not Wrangler. What's those, the, the, the nice ones, you know, the, what's it? Okay, it was white. It was one of y'all? Anyway, just, and, and I was still looking for that man. And, and he's on the phone like this on his pay phone. <laughs> and I remember, how many of you ever just have felt like a fool for Jesus? And I knock on his window while he's on the pay phone. I'm standing there and he's just like. I go. Rolls the window down. You need something? He said, yes, sir. Um, God, the God of the Bible, wants me to let you know that he knows what you're walking through. And he knows that you're going to break his heart. That you're going to commit adultery on your wife. But this is God's opportunity for your out. And that's all he told me to say. Ebony, 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 I'm out of here. And I walk back up to my truck that was on the overpass. I could see the lady comes out of the hotel looking around and he took off. Now, let me let me just say this. That doesn't happen to me all the time. But God cares for people. He cares. He loves people. He loves you. You can look at your circumstances and how God used people in your life, how God used circumstances in your life. Come on, how many know we got some? I mean, you think about, I mean, Jesus is saying when you lose something that's valuable, you, 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 you look everywhere. Think about the person you know who's far away from God. Guess what? They have great value to Jesus. Even if they're sleeping around, even if they're destroying their lives, they have great value even if they have a filthy mouth they have a great value and and you know the girl at your school that everybody calls a slut she has great value somebody's on the roof that's good all right it's okay and so what happens is hey they're gonna break a hole in the ceiling and pray for them anyway your brother you know that 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 is not interested in church anymore they have great value So, so valuable to God that Jesus died the most gruesome death so every sinner can find life. You can find life. How many of you women have a wedding ring? Okay. You ever lose it? I remember my wife and I, we were on a, like one of our anniversaries about five, six years ago. And, uh, and, we had gone to this hotel in New Orleans, and we were walking around, and, and we checked out of the room and everything. And all of a sudden, my wife realizes, and she's not a forgetful person at all. I'm the one who forgets things, all right? And she goes, oh, my wedding ring. I go, what? I left it in the room. Literally, we were like, when we ran back to the hotel, we were walking, you know, around the French Quarter and all that. So we ran back. And we started frantically looking everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And then you're going, all right, what was the last place that you left it? Where, where was the last? Well, I did. And then she realized, I left it on the bed. We walked in the room. The maid hadn't got there yet, and it was on the bed. 
it was a frantic march there, and it was a frantic search. You see, when something of great value is lost, you don't rest till you find it. I believe this, that God is constantly watching and looking for people that will say, God, will you use me to be able to reach those that are lost? Listen, we all have relatives. We all have friends that are lost. And you know what I'm asking you this morning is that when's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you just say, will you come with me? Because you never know what might happen. Are you hearing me? You know, just like the lady I was telling you about. Man, it's my birthday. Will you come just for my birthday? You know, will you come for Easter? You know? And, and, and see, at our Savior's Church, we're obsessed with who we're trying to reach more than who we're trying to keep. I'll say that again. We're obsessed with reaching other people more than we are who we're trying to keep around here. Because you're not my people, you're God's people. And I just happen to be a steward of, of I'm, a, I'm, I'm a shepherd. I'm just a steward. Pastor Jamie's a steward. God's given us responsibility to steward people's hearts and their lives and their marriages and, and love them and help them and tell you the truth when you don't want to hear the truth. Thanks for all those amens. And the final thing is Jesus doesn't kick us when we're down. He rejoices when we're found. Look what happens when the shepherd locates the sheep. He says, verse 15, verse 5, and when he finds it. He didn't grab the sheep by the neck and said, you stupid sheep. But some of us have that mentality. The Bible says that perfect love Cast out all fear. Boy, that is a revelation. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. You know, my kids, they don't have fear when they need me. You know what I'm saying? They're not debating, are you my daddy? My little girl thinks she's the most beautiful child I said, there's two women that I, I'm, I just think that are the most beautiful women. My wife and you, Olivia. Because she'll come. Now, she dresses. I mean, she dresses right in the morning. She'll come to me and she looks at me and she goes, Daddy. You know what my job as a father? Baby, you look beautiful. You're beautiful. Every child needs that. You tell that to my son, man, come on, that's sick. <laughs> but they are. I have five sons, and every one of them are different. Every one of them are different. I have one of my sons, he's 26 right now. I can still hold his hand. And he doesn't think we're weird. You know what I'm saying? That's just kind of, that's his, he loves touch. Physical touch is his, it's his love language. Now, Zach, my oldest son, you don't touch him. Now, you don't have to touch me. You know what I mean? 
You don't have to touch me. His thing is just, you just show him that you love him. You don't even have to tell him. Just a little acts. That's how my wife is. I have to always tell her, I love you. But I tell her I love her because I need that. I'm one of those kind of people. I'm touchy, feely, you know, come on. I mean, I need people who I love you, you know, just you're so, you know. Because I'm the kind of good baby, how do I look? The other day, we were on a walk the other day, yesterday. My wife goes, you know, baby, I've just decided, since you and Olivia are so alike, why don't you finish raising her? <laughs> I'm telling you, she says, because she says, you know how she thinks. And she goes, you know, you like hanging out with Luke because he thinks like me and you like me. So why don't I take care of Luke and you take care of Olivia? You ever have discussions like that? Oh, well, baby. That may be bad. Me and Livy are going to have, we, we're going to just, you're so beautiful, you know, each other. <laughs> Where was that? Let's get back to the message. You know, when I say that, when they grab, he didn't grab by the neck, but sometimes the sad thing is that's the way a lot of churches treat people. They're just a number. You filthy rotten, you just about time. You cool, y'all? But verse 5, it says, He joyfully puts, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Who does? He does. What was on the shoulders of the shepherd? I started thinking about that since Easter's coming. I said, wait a minute. He had the sheep, but on the shepherd, what did he put on his shoulder? A wooden cross. And he became the sacrificial lamb as he carried his own cross. How valuable am I? That he's willing to bear the pain, the suffering, the cross, death, but resurrection. And I've learned in the Bible that God deals with contrast, night and day, summer and winter, heaven and hell, life and death. Come on, are you hearing me? And the only thing that you that breaks contrast in the Bible is faith. What do you mean by that, Pastor? It takes faith. Just to trust. Because for some of us, we've been so wounded. We've been so hurt. I remember a guy telling the story. He said, you know, you know, I've seen dads where they tell their kids they, and they get bunk beds. They go, jump to me. And they, they got, the dad caught him the first time. Then he backed up a ways. And the kid came to let his dad catch him. And he backed away. And the kid fell. And he looked at his son. And he goes, don't you ever trust another man to catch you, son. You're going to have to be a man and man up. I can't imagine that one. I can't imagine that. Some people, they've been, I, I, you know, if you love me, you know, you'll kind of produce for me. And then you fall into that trap and then you realize it's a trap. And see, I've learned this. 
This is the picture of what God calls you and I to do. Because Christ, because we're Christ's hands and feet. God never sends a messenger with an empty envelope. You're his messenger. He said that he'll put you before kings and places. He'll put you before men and women. And when you're there, he'll give you the words that you need to speak. You might not know. Have you ever been nervous? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But you know, if you're available. And sometimes you just listen for a little while and ask a few questions. Then you find out a lot. I've learned this before I speak. I ask questions. Where's hands and where's feet? And you know what? We bear the burden. This is the burden that we bear. We bear the burden to bring people home to Jesus. To find him. And see, next week is Easter. And you say, what are you trying to do, Pastor? I'm trying to provoke you. Something rise up inside of you. Go, you know what? Help me quit seeing just me and my needs. And let me see someone that's hurting that needs Jesus like I did at one time. And not be afraid to say something. Because the Bible says perfect love cast out what? All fear. I love what Pastor Jim's mama used to tell him. He said, fear, sin, son. Quit fearing. You know, I mean, that'll make you stop. I know. I, can I just say, I know. Look, you're in here. Well, Pastor, I'm not perfect. All I'm asking you to do is to bring someone to church. And let them hear the gospel next weekend. What would happen if every one of us invited two people? What would happen? There might not be enough chairs in here, but I think about it. Listen, listen to me. You know that, that, that plane that just crashed, 149 people died? I started thinking about that this morning. I said, 149 people died. That's tragic. That's terrible. But how many of, of those 149 people who died, how many people did they affect? Thousands. I saw a report one time. If every person that loved God began to invite someone, lead someone to God, in two years, everybody in the planet would get saved. Two years. Like that. Wouldn't that be great? Well, Pastor, what about the Muslims? I'm not afraid of them. What about so-and-so? You know, what about the, the, the Jehovah Witnesses? They're all liars anyway. What about so-and-so? What about, listen, just love people. When I look at the room, I just, I just see you. All, all you people have, you have a potential to impact. You have a potential. Just one person. How many people you have an opportunity to impact? You know, I love when one of my, my spiritual heroes, Danny Oss, did years ago. And he had a, a, a church called Faith, Hope, and Love all throughout Mexico, Mexico City. He'd, he'd fly an airplane and he'd drop tracks down on, on villages and before they'd come and preach and gospel tracks and, 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 then, and all this stuff. And, I mean, he had revival. I mean, he was one of the most passionate people you've ever met in your life. And... He thought about living, he thought about what he was going to, what was going to happen when he died. He thought beyond just for living. And the cool thing is when he died, they built a big, like a white grave place with a big tombstone with a roof over it. And when people would go visit and, and had on this thing, it says, uh, I forget what it said on the, on the deal, but 
when you go visit his grave, there's gospel tracts. He was thinking beyond just dying. He was thinking, how do I reach someone beyond the grave? And see, we're just, most of us are just trying to get out of here. You know what I'm talking about? If I can just make it, I don't want to just barely make it. And see, what happens is, isn't, let's look. Are y'all with me? Okay, and I'm going to wrap it up right here. Put a bow on it. Verse 6 and 7. And then he calls his friends, his neighbors. This is talking about the shepherd together and says, Rejoice with me. Come on. In South Louisiana. Come on, baby. Let's have a festival. Celebrate. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to, to repent. I want you to know we all have a reason to celebrate. Because Jesus wants to bring lost people home. I'm here today and I have a platform because there was a lady named Maydale Melton. They used to pray for me. She's my mom's mom. She called me. You've heard me. She she called me at three o'clock in the morning. Boy, Holy Ghost woke me up. What you been doing? I've been praying, but the Lord gave me a scripture for you. I didn't know what. What? She'd send me like Christian albums that were stupid looking. I was just in the ACDC highway to hell, Van Halen running with the devil. I mean, you know, I was in all this dark music and, you know, sticks and all. I mean, just all that stuff. I remember foreigner head games. My old grandmother was playing head games on me. I remember, but she would just pray and just call me and send me a Bible. I had a Bible for every season, Easter Bible, Christmas Bible. They would have had a Mardi Gras Bible. I would have had that. Okay, I mean, and she would just and she prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. And I said, and I remember just thinking she's crazy. Then I remember the day that I got saved. And the first person I called was my grandmother. And I never forget, she she gets on the phone. I tell her, I go, Nene, that was what I called her, Nene. I gave my life to Jesus today and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And she goes, I mean, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because you know what? When I went and visited her like a week later, I was like the poster child of hope. No, I'm not kidding you. She would drag me to all her little prayer buddies. They'd been praying. They knew my name. They go, she goes, hey, this is the boy that she called me the boy, the boy. And those ladies would go, oh, Jesus. They'd pray over me. I mean, literally, I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. They'd pray over me, rejoice. Her prayer groups, her friends. She even got me on a TV show. I'm not kidding you. A local Christian TV is sharing my testimony and stuff. <laughs> and I went to Bible college. And every week or every other week, she'd send me cash. And she'd write on their note, on the dollar bills, 
This money is covered by the blood of Jesus. And when I went to do counseling for the 700 Club, I used to do phone counseling while I was in college. And I remember my grandfather, who was lost, started watching to see if he could see me counseling people on the phone. And he got saved. Why do you say all that? Because you never know. Because everybody's valuable. I was her grandson. You know what she was saying? I don't want him to go to hell. Are you hearing me? She just loved me right into God's kingdom. You see, I just know this. How many of you love football? Okay, how many of you like the Tigers? Go Tigers. Okay, all right. You, you can have 100,000 people going absolutely crazy in Tiger Stadium, especially if we score against Alabama. Come on. And it's, but, you know, it's completely pointless. But, but when you come to church and you see marriages come back together, you teen, see teenagers walking in purity, and you see broken lives healed, there's something to rejoice about. It's bigger than a Tiger football game. I don't know as, I don't know as, I don't mean, I might not know as many lost people as you do. God has given you connections. Can I just say this? Even now, God's putting people in your mind. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Because when I start sharing this message, you know, God works by word. He works by pictures. That's, that's how he does me. I see things. I see people. Are you hearing me? God has God's put you in their life. That you can bring them home. It's time for them to come home. I'm asking you to take a spiritual responsibility over the closest people you can bring them to church for Easter. Or at least make an attempt. Just all you can do is ask. You know what I'd encourage you? Write a note. Send a text. Been praying for you. My mom went to this place in Arizona to get some treatment things. And every day I'd send her a text. And she told me how she'd been going through some depression and just loneliness and things like that. And she came back and she says, you know what? God really did something in me because I knew every day you were praying for me. I can't. Can I be honest? With you? I wouldn't go, oh, God, you're my mom. God just put it on my heart. I send a text. Mom, I hope you get refreshed by the Holy Spirit. I hope God because my mom's one of those people. And I had a good, good, good conversation with her. I said, Mom, it's. It's time for you to come home. You've seen me. You've seen your mama. It's time for you to come home. Leave a note. And if they got an excuse, tell them you'll pick them up. That always freaks them out. And I've done that. I've even had people... I remember a guy I used to minister to in Olympia, Washington. And when I was there, he'd, he'd come up to my window every Sunday morning. Hey, Baba. Baba. He'd wake everybody up in the neighborhood. Because I lived in this apartment in the second store. And you couldn't get to it through the door. And he'd go, Baba. And I'd, go, I'd come to the window. Fred, shut up. 
Shut up, Fred. You can wake up everybody. He goes, Baba, you want to go eat? I'll go meet you. He said, if I'm going to eat with you, you coming to church with me. I'm serious. Lily, I had a, y'all know, remember Pierre Cardin? I used to have a Pierre Cardin suit. And he picked me up one day and my pants ripped because I was going. I was so mad at Fred because he woke me up that morning and he tore my three-piece suit. He didn't tear it, but his seat did because he had a wire sticking out of it. I don't know where Fred is today, but he knew. I remember we were sitting up in his apartment one day and he goes, you know, Bubba, you love me. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of times I didn't want to love him. He didn't smell right. He didn't look right. And he didn't act right sometimes. And that might be your relative. But you know what? I had to look beyond that. And go, God, you love Fred. Can I be honest with you? There's some people that just bug you to get, get them to the place where they need to be. And see that, you know what? When you reach people, sometimes it's inconvenience. Because you might be spiritually responsible. What do you mean? You're not responsible for their salvation, but you're responsible to get them there and you're responsible to kind of help them out. You don't just give them a map and go, hey, that's how you get there. God bless you. Hallelujah. But that's how a lot of people are. I learned this. If you come get saved at this church... They're not going to give you a map and go, well, you know, if you're going to find your journey is going to be with God. You ain't got to do this, this, and that. They're going to love on you. Amen? As you engage in this mission, let me just, I'm done. I believe this. If you do that, you'll see a homecoming like you've never seen. Remember homecoming in high school? Everybody get the ribbons, everybody, you know, it was the big game and you always try to pick a a loser that you just beat the fat out of, remember? But here's the reality is that this is homecoming. It's the moment that God wants not only to do something in someone's life, but God wants to do something in your life. Here's the question. When's the last time you reached out to somebody? When's the last time? When's the last time you invited someone? When is the last time you just told someone about Jesus? That's my challenge. It's not just a challenge to one, it's a challenge to all. And you go, well, Pastor Bubba, I, I don't even know the Lord. Well, this morning you can meet the Lord. I've learned this. When you meet the Lord, he does something inside of you. And you can't hold it back. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for a demonstration of your love. The Bible says while we were sinners, while we were lost, while we were living our own way, while we were doing our own thing, the Bible says that you came and you showed us and proved your love by willing to take the cross and be nailed to it. But God, you didn't stop there. They put you in a grave. And you overcame the power of death, the power of hell, the power of the grave. 
and you came out with life. Father, that's what you want us to enjoy, your life, your abundant life. The enemy's come to rob, kill, and destroy, but you've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. That means you insist that we enjoy the life that you died for, that we could have life. And Father, I thank you for every person here this morning that you love them. They're valuable. They're so important. They might not feel valuable. They might have been, they might have been told that they aren't valuable. They might have been compared to other people that, that some, maybe their relatives lifted up another brother or sister and they don't feel as important. But the Lord, those are just lies. God, you love them so much. The Bible says you demonstrated your love to us. And Father, I pray this morning for every person here with every lie the enemies tried to come to put in their mind and their heart, that those things would be exposed this morning and that, God, that they would sense your love, your acceptance, your freedom, the joy of living a life that's pleasing to you. Maybe you're here this morning and no one looking around and say, Pastor Bubba, I'm not really where I need to be. Would you pray for me that I trust God with my whole heart? I don't want to just play the game and just come to church and then everything's good, but I want to commit my whole life to God. Would you pray for me? That's me, Pastor Bob. I want to commit 100% to the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. I'll pray with you. Thank 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 you. Put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? You can put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? God loves you. I'm not going to beg you. Just be real. Anyone else? Father, you saw every hand raised. And Lord, when they raise that hand, you know what it represented. It represents a place of honesty and transparency. The God that they haven't, they want all that you have for them. That the Lord, that they see the value that they, that they have with you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you've spoken to them. That you want to wrap your loving arms around them this morning. And God, you just like that, that shepherd to put that little lamb around his shoulders and feed him himself and take care of him. Lord, that's what you want to do with your precious people this morning. Lord, you, we, I know how the enemy works. He tries to condemn and say, you'll never break free from this. You'll never come out of this. You'll always have this insecurity. You'll always, there'll always be this thing. But Lord, thank you that, that you bring healing and wholeness. You, bro- you take us from brokenness to wholeness. And Father, I pray. I pray for everyone here this morning. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, out loud, everyone. Every- Lord Jesus, I come this morning. I give you my whole heart. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that you died for me. That you love me. And that this morning, that I can have resurrection power. That I once was. But I'm not anymore. I was broken, but now I've been made whole by your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me. I want to talk to you real quick, and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to give it back to Jamie. You raise your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Let me just say this. 
on my body, I have a scar from here to here, okay? I could show you, but I don't think you want to see it. But here's the reality. You know what the scar reminds me of? There was something inside me that was going to kill me. Are you hearing me? And every time I go to shave and I don't have a shirt on in the morning, I see that scar. I mean, really, it's a scar of beauty. Because scars are there to remind you what you had, but what happened. It's the same way with God. Listen, there may be things that happen in your life, and they're like a scar. But that scar is to remind you that there was a cancer that the enemy was trying to use against your life. Are you, am I making sense here? And that God saw it and he said, hey, and it hurt. It didn't feel good. You want to hold on to it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I like this one. No one knows about it. But yet God comes and said, let me just operate. Let me just take it out. And when he does, it's not there. Because you've been made whole. Amen. And so if you raised your hand, there was about nine or so of you this morning, and maybe you've committed to the Lord. Listen, don't walk in condemnation. Okay? God hadn't given us a spirit of condemnation. He's given us a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. Okay? And so what you've got to realize is that maybe some of you raised your hand because you've been condemned by that same thing. God wants to bring freedom. Okay? You need to accept his love. And some of you just don't feel like you're, you're, that you can be loved. Can I just tell you something? He's a daddy that you always dreamed of having. And he just comes and he hugs you and he loves you. And that's why, I listen, that's why I love coming to Eunice. Y'all are just good people. I don't care what Jamie tells me. Y'all are just good people. And God loves you. And you know what? God's got great things. But he's looking for you to reach out beyond yourself. So you can have a homecoming. You can have a party. You can have a festival. Festival a la Eunice, our Savior's church. You know what I mean? Where you can rejoice at people that are once bound that are free. Amen? Love you.